0: Deck the halls with lots of grublies cluck 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 bonk, bonk, bonk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> sorry i couldn't help
0: myself i just got back from a rocking grublies happy hour with my flock
1: well, I can't really blame you. Grublies are a healthy poultry snack alternative to those made-in-China mealworms. Grublies have 50 times more calcium than mealworms, which means more bang for your buck, and you get higher-quality eggshells and strong, shiny feathers. The perfect snack, no matter how many French hens or geese a are in your flock.
0: So head on over to grublyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order. We drink things, we farm things We drink and farm things Oh, hey
1: there, Sam Oh, hey there, Beth
0: What'd you open?
1: I just opened a Windridge Farm Brewing Farmhand Series Barn Payton Goza Sour Ale. Ooh, that's a mouthful. Ooh,
0: yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, Windridge is Pennsylvania's hardest working beer.
0: Oh. Fun, fun. Interesting. So what does it mean to be one's hardest working beer?
1: I don't know. It doesn't say on the can. (laughs) So I guess they just get to say it, and we repeat it, and that suddenly makes it true, right? Kind of
0: like the scene in the movie Elf where it says, world's best cup of coffee, and <laughs> he has Joey try it, and she's like, this tastes like a crappy cup of coffee. <laughs> so you can call it whatever you want if there's no proof in the pudding. You
1: yeah, I mean, what? I'll I'll have to try it and tell you what I think of it. Okay. <laughs> but what did you open over there?
0: So, I have a Bell's Christmas Ale, and it is a Scotch Ale, um, and it's actually a traditional Scotch Ale with rich and malty notes of caramel and warm, and it has a warm finish, and it's certain to make any occasion festive, or at mm. least a bit more bearable. <laughs> Enjoy with the company of friends and family. So, I, can, I feel like what they're claiming there about it making a bit more bearable is probably, you know, pretty accurate.
1: yeah i would say so yeah (laughs) and i give this uh barn peyton goza three thumbs up it's it's pretty good
0: (laughs) three thumbs up
1: three thumbs and then i stumbled over saying three thumbs so there you go
0: (laughs) (laughs) we're off to a good start
1: (laughs) welcome to we drink and we farm things
0: this is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community from hobby farmers to the large-scale real deal farmers.
1: We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life.
0: We keep it real with you ensure share the mistakes we've made and the new knowledge we gain so hopefully you don't feel so alone in this farm thing.
1: And sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming related, but we cut a lot of those and put them up on our Patreon.
0: And this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps, so check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash farm, where we have fun exclusive recordings, and sometimes we throw pictures up there, um, and it's an excellent way to support the podcast starting at just $2 a month.
1: And speaking of the Patreon... Our drinks this episode were sponsored by Natalie Quist, which is at Cloud Lover Fiber over on the Instagram. So cheers, Natalie. Cheers. And while we're on the topic of the Patreon, I just have to give a quick shout out to Brandy Flair, who said drink farm and be merry to us in an email last year. And I just randomly happened upon it. (laughs) (laughs) And I laughed because I was like, oh my gosh, I did not remember that she had put that in an email to us.
0: No. And I never saw it. And I said that to Bev this year as like a brilliant idea for merchandise. So apparently great minds just think alike.
1: So true. I love it. It's just an example of how two people can come up with a super cool idea without collaborating. Exactly. (laughs) And then we also wanted to give a huge thank you to at Rented Homestead CA over on the Instagram for sending us a bunch of super cute alpaca gifts. Oh,
0: my gosh. That just, like, warmed my heart seeing that. And I think I told you, like, can you send me a picture of what we got? Because Bev's going to have to send me part of it. (laughs) Um, Because for those of you that don't know, I live in Michigan and Bev lives in Ohio, um, and all of our P.O. box goodness is in Ohio. So I asked Bev to send me a picture of it and it just totally made my day. I had such a shitty day that day. Like everything was going wrong. Like it wasn't like the end of the world or anything truly that bad happened. But, you know, you just have those days sometimes where it's okay to say like you're having a crappy day and not feel like just because you're not dying, like that's not you know, something you're allowed to feel. But like seeing all of that just warmed my heart and made me feel so special and loved in that moment. So thank you. That is just so kind of you to send us all that. And I can't wait to, to get it in person and Wear the warm fuzzy socks.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I can't wait for you to get it. It was it was so exciting. And in fact, like it, it's been really fun this season, because we sent out Christmas cards. And that's how mm-hmm. I came across mm-hmm. that email that Brandy Flair had sent, because I had, had needed to ask her for her address so I could send her a Christmas card. And just the act and practice of doing that just kind of made me feel eternally grateful for the podcast and our listeners Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: like it's easy to get caught up in like growing and being better and doing better and doing all the things to reach more people but like to Mm -hmm. just take that moment to appreciate the listeners we have just made me feel like extra warm and fuzzy and then that alpaca gift showed up in the mail that same day that i dropped off the christmas card so it was just like double like i just like got double the fuzzies that day (laughs) from this podcast which was just it was super cool
0: (laughs) that is really cool
1: so i do have a correction this episode and it's a correction on myself
0: oh okay
1: So in the last episode, I had said that my new cow that was coming had some sort of dwarfism issue, Mm -hmm. but it turns out he doesn't have dwarfism. He's just like an extra mini miniature herford. Yeah, because the farmer tests his herd for dwarfism because that's something that you need to do if you breed certain uh, breeds of cows, apparently. Mm-hmm. I don't know a whole ton about it, so I'm not going to go like super into it, but dwarfism in miniatures um, and miniature cattle is actually a really big deal. So oh. you typically do uh, like genetic testing before you start breeding certain pairs to make sure that nobody carries it because mm-hmm. it's something that like ruins the registerability and the show quality and all of that good stuff. So he's not a dwarf. I use the wrong terminology. He's just extra small.
0: He's just a little guy. <laughs>
1: yeah i mean but he's really not a little guy he's like 850 pounds (laughs) Uh. (laughs) so he's still giant but just not giant for a cow
0: (laughs) yeah how fun i'm so excited for you to get that darn cow oh my gosh i'm gonna live vicariously through you
1: Oh, I'm so excited, too. I think he shows up on Tuesday. I We finished the loafing shed on Friday, and I immediately pulled Herc out of the pasture. And uh, we've got like a hitching post. So I hitched Herc and got the goats moved over to their side, pulled the mule out. We moved to the goats' shelter so they could have a clean spot that you know Herc hasn't pooped all over yeah. for them to sleep in. Uh-huh. And then put Herc into where the loafing shed was. And I was like, all right, I'm ready for the cow. <laughs>
0: Perfect timing.
1: (laughs) Jared's like, how much daylight do we have left? Do you think we have time to do this? I looked around and was like, we got 30 minutes. We can totally switch everybody around in 30 minutes.
0: (laughs) That was your exercise for the day.
1: (laughs) It really was. Yeah, it was good exercise. And Herc loves his new little loafing shed. He just like hangs out in there. He loves a little too much. He's been pooping all over the inside of it.
0: Well, that's nice of him.
1: I know, right? So I'm gonna go lime it and clean it after we're done.
0: (laughs) He's just making it his own. That's pretty much. Pretty much. so now it's time for our henny and rue corner because i don't know about you i got my box i yesterday. did okay you got yours too okay good so what was your favorite thing in the december henny and rue box that you got
1: uh, so i think i'm gonna have to say that my favorite thing was the knit cap yes because like i use those all the time and i just have a giant pile of them next to the door and I always have to throw one on my head before I go outside because like the cold wind on my ears is mm-hmm. the worst and I have to go outside multiple times a day. So yeah, I was really appreciative for that. And it's super
0: cute. Yeah, I might have made a excited squealing noise when I saw that. So
1: <laughs> what was your favorite thing from the box?
0: So I think mine was the hen love ornament um, because I – as I mentioned before, and Beth has one too. Um, We both have little farm trees in our house that have exclusively, their purposes, like for farm ornaments. Uh, So that is why I was so excited for that because I just got to add another one to the tree today and did a little happy dance. So the only other place I really get farm ornaments from is Tractor Supply. So when I can get them from different sources that makes me really happy in a very festive way.
1: Oh yeah, and uh, the person that made the the ornaments was Goodrich Metalworks, and in fact, I ordered ornaments from them last year, so oh. I already had a hen ornament, and I have a donkey ornament that they made. Oh. so that's why i call that like my tree of manifestation because just whatever (laughs) animal i want i stick up on that tree and suddenly it shows up over the next year so
0: is there a cow on there or no
1: there isn't the cow just kind of came from random happenstance so i've got to like plot what my ornaments are i want to add to it before christmas comes around this year But yeah, you can find them at Goodrich Metalworks. So if you didn't get a honey and box, you can still order one of those if you want one. But I highly recommend you just subscribe to the box so you can get surprises.
0: (laughs) Yes. The other surprise that I really appreciated was the 2020 chicken photography calendar. Because it's like the perfect size for putting it on my fridge, like on the side that actually like, is magnetic um (laughs) but I I always like to keep a small one on the fridge so I could just glance at it when I'm in the kitchen and we got one of those and the pictures are super cute I mean you can't go wrong with a chicken calendar
1: That's so true. And Tina also included a honey and rue egg scrubby in this Mm, box. And mm. I love those things. Like I I buy them every now and then. I'll just like go to the website and buy like five of them because when I give eggs to people, I'll give them one of those egg scrubbies too.
0: (gasps) Oh, that's so cute.
1: Just as a little gift. And I use my egg scrubby for so much more than just eggs. I like Mm -hmm. scrub out the inside of the sink with it. I scrubbed the like mud and stuff out of the tread of my boots the other day with it
0: oh my god (laughs) and
1: then i just disinfected it because you know like yeah it's fine we use it on chicken poop so i figured i could pretty much use it on everything as long as i wash it afterwards
0: (laughs) exactly you can pop it you probably pop it in the dishwasher i don't know if that's okay or not but it might be worth a try i don't know i usually just dip it in a little bleach (laughs) oh bleach works well
1: too. Mm -hmm.
0: We also got a small package of black soldier fly larvae um, from iowabluefarm.com, and I bribed my chickens with that while we took pictures with the honey and box today and some other pictures that I took outside. So that was the perfect size for bribery. I'll just leave it at that.
1: <laughs> perfect. <laughs> and we also got a bag of chubby mealworms. Uh, and, you know, I like chubby mealworms also. They're also made and grown in the USA. So good mealworms.
0: Yes. And we also got some gauze pads, which is always helpful to have on hand. Never go wrong with having extra in your first aid kit. And as always, we got the nesting box pad. Um, And you can use that in your coop. Um, And they are biodegradable, which is perfect. We love that.
1: Yes, we do. And if you don't subscribe to the Honey and Roo box yet, be sure and go to honeyandroo.com, subscribe, and you will save ten percent off your first box when you use our code Drink and Farm.
0: All right. So in last week's episode, we talked about how amazing reindeer are. Um, and a lot of their physical characteristics and some of the history of reindeer and why they're associated with Christmas. So today we're going to start talking about what it takes to keep reindeer and what it takes to maybe even start a business.
1: Woohoo! I'm so excited for this. Not that I want to farm reindeer because oddly enough it's the one thing I've never thought of trying to do around here and I think of trying Mm. to do like a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) But they're still super fun. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And we are only referencing four articles this episode, not six like last episode. (laughs) Um, So we'll link all of those in the show notes. So make sure you go check those out if you want to take a deeper dive into what we're talking about today. But I thought it would be fun to start by answering the question, why would I want to keep reindeer and maybe even start a business? And there's a few reasons why. Uh, reindeer can be considered a source of lean, tasty meat. Um, so there's one option. And I have eaten reindeer, so I can attest to that. I think I've had reindeer jerky before. Oh. So I don't know. Like, once it's jerky, like, it's hard to tell the difference between any kind of wild game, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe I've just had bad, bad like, really bad jerky. I don't know. but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh but you can actually also sell their antlers in the velvet stage because um Chinese medicine uses antlers for a variety of different ailments and is also considered to be an aphrodisiac. Hmm. wow. <laughs> uh reindeer also make good pets because they can be gentle and friendly and you can even train them to pull sleds or carts and give rides so if you market yourself correctly you can really do a lot of neat things with reindeer for example an alaskan reindeer farm called reindeer farm states that (laughs) so original (laughs) right well you know what they they snagged up that name before anybody else could (laughs) i mean
1: genius that's exactly what running a business is right
0: (laughs) yes They say that our reindeer have gone to picnics and festivals to give rides, have competed in the World Championship Reindeer Sled Races at the Fur Rendezvous rendezvous in Anchorage, have been paid to be in many commercials, including a Chevy Tough Like a Rock commercial filmed on their farm uh, with their horses and reindeer. They've been in three feature-length movies and posed as New York models on a glacier for an egg. For an ad in Vogue magazine. And they Ooh. also attract thousands of tourists to their farm in the summer months. Um, and according to various data sources from farm websites, a pair of reindeer may, rent, may uh, rent for 200 to $300 or more an hour. Some even charge a minimum of $1,750 for an eight-hour day. Holy smokes.
1: Yeah, I mean... Reindeer definitely sound like a viable business idea. Yes.
0: So to piggyback off of, you know, how much I can make by running out my reindeer, um, (laughs) how much are reindeer, Uh, you can expect to pay around $1,000 at the low end for a male reindeer with prices raising for uh, trained female reindeer. So with feed, veterinary, and reindeer-related farm maintenance costs, you can expect to uh, each reindeer to cost about $2,000 annually in upkeep so not only is it the initial purchase but also the upkeep so that's a pretty expensive hobby to have um, which I guess if you know this podcast does really well it would be feasible for me to just have them as pets um, but it sounds like I would need to take them with us on podcast tour <laughs> <laughs> if I wanted to keep them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I'm trying to think, like, I don't know that I've ever actually sat down and figured out, like, how much my goats cost us per year, but mm. I don't think it's $2,000 in no. feed and veterinary care each. Like, I mean, I'm having my entire store of winter hay delivered, and it's going to be, like, 260 bucks. So, like, I just, mm-hmm. I don't think I spend that much on the goats. So they're kind of inexpensive Farm yeah,
0: animal. you better knock on some wood right now.
1: <laughs> right, I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I was just kind of thinking in my head, and it's like the amount of feed we buy each month, and in the hay that they consume in a month. You know, for all ten that we currently have, in the three babies, it's less than a thousand dollars a year, and that's okay. for ten animals. Um, it's probably, and that's considering that you know we took some of them to the vet to get, um castrated and to do their disbudding and their own, the shots, um, their initial shots. So like if we did some of that ourselves we could um, save money there but the way that I like castration to be done it's not through banding it's through some slice and dice um, and I'm not trained to do that and I just appreciate taking them to the vet and getting them checked out especially when they're young like that too. Um, so it probably just depends on how much you can do on your own. When you get with those larger animals, it gets a little complicated, though.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I could definitely see that.
0: So you may be asking yourself at this point, how do I get reindeer? Because, you know, it's probably not as easy as going out and finding a goat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> probably not. I don't think I've ever seen them, like, stuck to my local feed stores, like, for sale no, board.
0: No, that would be interesting, though, and very tempting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> So the first steps you want to take are to contact your state's veterinarian to find out if your state considers reindeer to be livestock under agriculture or wild animals under fish and game. So you'll want to ask if reindeer are even allowed in your state, and if so, what tests are required for their health certificate.
1: That's a really important thing to point out because I would not have thought of them as wild animals but they totally are because they're caribou
0: yeah lazy caribou and if you lazy don't know what talking about <laughs> you'll want to listen to last week's episode <laughs> yes <laughs> so after you find out if reindeer are under agriculture or fish and game contact the appropriate agency to find out what kind of fencing is required by your state because if you didn't feel micromanaged already now you really do but it's for good reason. Like you can't have your reindeer busting out and like running into traffic, and, like you know, uh, just kind of showing up in people's yards and houses.
1: Well, and if reindeer are anything like deer, have you ever watched a deer jump over a fence? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We have five foot fencing around our uh, pasture, and they just like like dive right over it like it's nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah. So if there are white-tailed deer in your area and you're east of the Mississippi River, you'll actually want fences high enough to keep them out, those white-tailed deer out. Yeah. <laughs> and this is because white-tailed deer can carry a brain worm that is deadly to reindeer, caribou, moose, and llamas, which the llama thing like blew my mind. I had no idea. Um, and it actually requires a cycle that involves a certain kind of tree, a snail and a white-tailed deer, and is only a few, in a few areas in the Eastern United States. So if you have any moose, caribou, reindeer, or llamas in your area, you don't need to worry about this. Um, so like if they're naturally there, um, you don't need to worry. Otherwise you'll want to have fences high enough to keep white-tailed deer out. And it also says not to buy hay from fields that have been infected by white-tailed deer. And I'm like, "Well, shit, they're everywhere here."
1: <laughs> yeah, they pretty much are everywhere. But like you pointed out, like that brainworm requires a cycle that involves a certain kind of tree and a snail. Mm-hmm. So like it doesn't sound like it's super common like the wasting disease yeah. sort of is. Um so chances are you're probably okay. And game and fish will tell you if it's something that you need to worry about in your area. Yes. Like I imagine that's just an easy Google search.
0: I hope so. But man, talk about things you didn't think about.
1: (laughs) I mean, always. That's the way always everything is, right? (laughs) Yes.
0: So in the case of the Alaska reindeer farm that we mentioned earlier, they suggest contacting airlines to figure out who ships from Alaska to your area. And this is specifically for that farm. But if you need to think about where you're getting reindeer and if they need to take, you know, take flight, not by like Santa standards, but by like... You know, the actual airplane standards, like (laughs) commercial
1: airline standards, those.
0: you know, they go through TSA, you know, all that. Um, You so you want to make sure that uh, you have airlines available that fly out from us from Alaska to your, you know, airport where you can go pick them up. Um, They said they've shipped by Delta Northwest and Alaska Airlines to Seattle, Salt Lake City, Denver, San Francisco, Portland, Chicago, Detroit, Atlanta, JFK, New York, St. Louis, and Minneapolis without any problems prior to 9-11. And they actually stopped shipping for a while after 9-11 because regulations shifted.
1: Yeah, so we actually have a local deer farm around here. And they raised um, deer domestically and used to ship them to places. And they haven't done that for at least the last Mm. decade or so because the regulations to fly deer out of our state, I guess, are just like a little too much to handle for it. So they've actually scaled that operation back quite a bit.
0: So they do mention that they've recently shipped on Alaska Airlines to Seattle into Haines without any complication. Um, and Delta has told them that they might take reindeer, but have not yet attempted to try to send them with Delta. Um, and for awareness, the adult crate size for a reindeer is 38 inches high, by 24 inches wide, and 68 inches long. Oh my God, which is so small. <laughs> but their antlers will have to be sawed off for a large deer so they can fit comfortably in the crates. Um, And all animals need testing and movement permits, whether within the state of Alaska or out of state. And an in-state permit can take around three weeks to a month to get, um, based on the test results coming back and the permit to move.
1: So basically, if you're in a hurry for your reindeer, you're going to have to suck it up for just a little bit.
0: Yeah. You might (laughs) want to go back to the episode where we talk about project management application to projects, (laughs) because you're going to need all those steps here and lots of planning
1: yeah it sounds like it
0: yes
1: (laughs) so what do you do when reindeer arrive and what's required to keep them uh, so depending on how you got your reindeer, you're gonna want to take them out of the crate, obviously, because they can't live there. It's far right. too small. <laughs> right. But you don't want to just put them out into like a big, large pasture and let them go. You'll basically never see them again. <laughs> right. right. So they have to go into pretty much like a stall essentially, Mm -hmm. so that they've got a safe place that they can learn is their home. And it's a safe place where they can't be hurt in and they can't get out of it. um, Because what they're going to want to do is they're going to want to try to escape it and go, quote, unquote, home, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you need to let them just kind of chill out in their stall or whatever you've designated as their home. And let them get comfortable, make sure that they've got some snow or some water, they need to have some feed and some hay, and they'll essentially settle in within just, you know, a week or two. So then after that, you can put them out onto your pasture that has a six foot high fence. And don't forget that six foot high fence.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So much fence stretching. Yeah. Yeah. And and not only do you have to go, you know, put all that work into building those really sturdy fences reindeer actually like to play in the fence with their antlers so the fence wire should be high, uh, high tensile strength and stretch tightly or they will cut holes in it with their antlers
1: is that what they call it playing in the fence because the deer do that to my fence too and it doesn't feel very <laughs> playful
0: <laughs> oh gosh darn animals um, so any loose wire is something to plan. So don't clear the ground for them either. They love trees and bushes, and they need shade in the summer. Um, and and this source also says that they use five feet by sixteen feet welded wire panels with uniform squares, and those are even better as they are basically indestructible.
1: And your fence should also be predator-proof because neighborhood dogs can be a predator problem to your reindeer, especially during calving season. So you want to make sure that your fence is sturdy enough to keep the things out and the reindeer in. And uh, they said, uh, the person that we got this article from said that when they brought their reindeer home to their farm, they kept them in a small pen with six foot high walls for a few days until they settled in. And then once they figured out that that was where they would be fed and and not hurt, that they were perfectly happy there. So
0: that's good. Yeah. Because once, you know, reindeer realize that you're not going to hurt them and you're going to feed them, um, I mean, they're pretty content there, just like any other animal, really. So speaking of food, what can you feed a reindeer, like, for food and treats? So you can actually feed your reindeer a broad leafed grass hay, And you can also allow them to graze. They will eat grass, weeds, and leaves. And then there's also pellets that you can feed them. And um, they recommend pellets that are made with barley, vitamins, minerals, salt, and molasses. And they have chosen to mix their pellets with the spent grains or beer mash from the breweries in Anchorage and ground hay. It makes a pretty uh, nutritious feed for them and they are fed twice a day getting about five pounds per deer per feeding. That's a lot of feed.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking about that. That is a lot of feed.
0: <laughs> so they um, for treats they put pieces of bread and apple in their food um, to get them used to it and some of them think of it as a treat and then it's something that you can give them like for you know probably when you're training them or if you have guests that are coming to visit them, you know, to have that magical reindeer moment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so one thing that the article didn't tell us, though, is if reindeer like candy canes.
0: Oh, it's probably not good for them, I well, would think. But I mean, if they're eating molasses, like...
1: Right, they're getting some sugar. But have you ever seen yeah. that movie, The Christmas Chronicles? They I feed their reindeer uh, <laughs> candy canes as a treat. And actually... Herc really likes peppermints, and apparently that's, like, a known thing that, like, donkeys like peppermints. So I would not be surprised if reindeer liked candy
0: canes. I think I saw some horse treats that were peppermint, too, when I was at the feed store. So, yeah, maybe they do. So now that you have these reindeer and they're settled in um, and you want them to do something fun, like pull a sleigh, um, what's a good training approach for the new reindeer? So you don't want to try it like right away. (laughs) You got to build trust with the animal. So you're going to have to wait a few weeks. You want them to settle in, call it home, get used to the people around them. And then you can go into the pen um, to feed them. And this is a good start because some of them will approach you and let you um, pet them or hand feed them. And others will be skittish. Some reindeer can be a little jumpier than others, but Typically, reindeer are less spooked than other kinds of deer, um, and some of them feel less threatened if you're sitting or, or kneeling down, which can be a little intimidating when you have an animal that is as big as a reindeer and you're like sitting or kneeling,
1: <laughs> especially <laughs> with a rack as big as a reindeer. Like, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so we um, typically, the, it's recommended that you don't look them in the eye. You can just kind of sit there with a big bowl of reindeer pellets and wait until they come say hi to you. Um, And after a few days of doing that, you can start petting them and then you can start halter training. And the reindeer farm recommends that, um, you put the halter on for a few seconds and you do this, um, take it on, take it off kind of behavior and increase the amount of time and pressure each time. And then you put the rope on and take them out of the pen for some grass. So you start training um slowly repetitively and over time you'll be able to teach them all kinds of cool things
1: kind of sounds like training a donkey
0: yeah I was gonna ask like as I'm reading this I was like I wonder if this is like what Bev like the steps she took to help with Herc and his training
1: yep pretty much it's almost exactly what we did yeah especially because like I was one of those people that made the mistake of just letting her go in the pasture. <laughs> so uh. <laughs> remember for the first like couple of weeks, I couldn't get him to come to me, <laughs>
0: yeah yeah well it it can be difficult, especially when you have a new animal mm-hmm. and an animal that isn't a baby and that is used to being pastured like it would it's super easy to think that, oh, yeah, I can just put him out there and it'll be fine, yeah. It's totally, I think that's a natural thought to have, but sometimes you got to learn the hard way, no matter how much research you do.
1: Right. Well, and I was considering, and in fact, the farmer and I talked about this with Percy, the cow, we were talking about having him come and just go straight into a barn stall so that I would have a couple of weeks to just like go in there and like be petting him and playing with him and stuff. And then I could halter train him before I put him out there with Herc. But I ultimately decided that, you know, with like Christmas stuff coming up and like other things, and I have a work trip in January. I was like, no, the pasture is now small enough that I can get to him. But as soon as he comes, I'll feed him a treat and he'll figure out that I'm the treat dispenser. And when he sees Herc coming up to me, I'm thinking that he'll warm up a little faster than Herc did. So (laughs) I decided against that. But.
0: Well, in thinking about like the size of your barn, barn stalls, like they- they're pretty good size, but cows have really big shit,
1: yeah, they totally do, So I'd have to be really good about cleaning it and yeah. sanitizing it and you know, and plus you know, keep making sure that his feed stays full and whatnot because he's an eight hundred and fifty pound animal, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's better off for him to just go straight out into the pasture, yeah,
0: you guys will figure it out.
1: we totally will. <laughs>
0: So after all of that, if, you know, the initial sticker shock of keeping and buying reindeer doesn't scare you and the whole transportation piece, like we talked about airport, airport stuff, but you can totally, I mean, I shouldn't assume, you can most likely find a source that you could drive to. It might take a couple days to get there where you can get reindeer from a source where it wouldn't require them require them to be frozen. So if you're in the continental United States, probably not Alaska. But you know, each their own. <laughs> um, you know, if you if you're still like really feeling like you want to start a business with this, um, it's time to do your research. And there are a few leading reindeer farms that you can take a look at to get an idea or get some information from. And there's one called Dashaway Reindeer, um, Fulton Valley Farms Reindeer Farm, which we've talked about a few times, and in fact, Rooftop Reindeer. Um, .com or Rooftop Landing Reindeer Farm is in Clare, Michigan, which is oh, just hey. north of Mount Pleasant where I went to school. Um, and I've seen their reindeer before uh, because they would bring them to one of the <laughs> grocery stores in Mount Pleasant and have them outside. And the grocery store is called Rick's. So for anybody local, you'll be like, "Hey, yeah, I've totally done that. Um, so that might be a source where I can get reindeer someday if they sell them um, and be super close <laughs> Um, So check those out to give some ideas of like, you know, how they set their stuff up and you know, maybe some information about their business that can help inspire you. So once you check out like the big players, um, you'll wanna do an economic analysis. So you you have to get your costing economic analysis right if your intention is building the business to generate profits and grow and perhaps expand the business and start exporting fur, leather, and milk within your country and other countries of the world. So I think before you even start the economic analysis, you need to decide how you're going to utilize your reindeer. Is it going to be for their meat, for uh, you know, their skin, milk, or is it going to just be kind of like the novelty factor of having reindeer around Christmas time?
1: Yeah, because you can totally just use them to like go hang out with Santas in town squares and stuff, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's the route I would most likely go. I mean, maybe I'd use their milk. I don't know. Maybe Santa likes reindeer milk with his cookies. I mean, go. we
1: did hear the last episode that their milk was like exceptionally nutritious and high in butter fat, right? So it's really yeah. good milk. There's just yeah. not a lot of it at every time, so you might yeah. be milking a lot.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, in order to do that economic analysis, you'll need to examine some key factors like access to the market, access to feed, because reindeer are herbivores, which means they only eat vegetarian. Their diets include herbs, ferns, mosses, grasses, shoots, fungi, and leaves. You'll also want to consider your access to medication um, and probably veterinary care as well. Make sure your vet, um, your local vet could help you. And if they can't, who are you going to call to come, you know, help you with your reindeer? Or can you take them somewhere? Because that could impact your budget pretty pretty quickly if something goes wrong
1: yeah I mean because you're paying over a thousand dollars per an animal and then two thousand dollars a year of upkeep like this isn't an animal that when it gets sick you just leave it out in the pasture I mean I don't think anybody necessarily does that with their animals but like access to vet care sometimes you do have to make like the hard decisions between what what you can afford to pay Mm -hmm. a vet for and what You have to try to treat yourself at home. So like these are creatures that you invested a lot in. You're probably going to want to call a vet anytime they're ill.
0: Right. Some other things that you want to consider, too, are cost of labor. So if you're going to need help, if it's going to be a really big operation, um, you you want to have access to people that are willing to work in those conditions, and you're willing to pay them fairly. and you also want to consider if your climatic condition is good enough for this, uh, if it's appropriate for reindeer, and if it if it is like. That probably means that, you, you know, reindeer do all right in the heat, but if you're in a really snowy place, you gotta think about like, okay, <laughs> uh, how am I gonna get to the reindeer when there's three feet of snow? Um, so snow removal, um, keeping things from freezing, keeping the reindeer happy in the process. So lots of different things to consider with your analysis. And
1: once you've decided that you are actually gonna start a business and you're gonna start a reindeer business, there are some legal matters that you'll have to attend to. And this is true no matter what kind of business you decide to start. Um, And one of the most important things that you'll have to look into is deciding what kind of business structure suits your business goals. uh, Because there are different like levels of business, so to speak. So you know, you can have an LLC, you can have an S-Corp, you can have a corporation, you can run a reindeer rescue and file for a 501c3. Like Mm. you get to decide how you structure your business and all of that is dependent on what your goals are. So you're probably gonna wanna talk to like an accountant or a lawyer. Either one of those people will be able to help you decide what the best business structure is for your specific situation. Um, especially from like the tax standpoint, because businesses don't come without tax consequences. That's just the way that it is.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So something a little more lighthearted and fun. Uh, you want to come up with a catchy business name for your reindeer farming business and you want to register the business name with a regulating authority. And when it comes, when you come up with your name, it's always advisable to run a search to advise, to ensure that the name you chose is not already trademarked by another company. And in the U.S., a business name cannot have any profanity in it. And it must not be similar to the name of a company that is legally registered at company's house or else it will not be approved.
1: Something else you should also look into when choosing your name is you want to look and see if the Instagram handle is
0: Mm. available
1: or the Facebook page or Twitter handle or your website. Like uh, it's so much easier for like us personally, for our podcast, for example, like drinkandfarm.com. It's so easy. But imagine if we had to use like drink-farm-podcast or something like that, like that Mm -hmm. would be impossible to say and get people to come and visit too. So...
0: Excellent point. And as soon as you settle on a name and get it registered, go buy your domains up like now. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. In fact, like we purchased and registered all of our stuff for this before well before the first episode ever dropped. Like, but, you know, that's once you've run a business like, you know, to do all of those things first.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Bev was pretty serious and had a lot of faith that I wouldn't just disappear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you know, if you did, like buying web domains and setting up stuff like that is super cheap and registering with your state and whatnot. Now, it depends on your state. Like, I think an LLC in California can be kind of pricey, but like an LLC in Ohio, I think it cost me like 50 bucks. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and register this LLC because I want to make sure that I have it before we ever drop an episode. Because last thing we wanted to do was have to change names in the middle of
0: it oh yeah Yeah. that would have been a nightmare exactly so something else you want to consider especially with a reindeer farm is what insurance policies you need (laughs) so (laughs) just like taxation insert insurance policies are inevitable and required um in the united states and in most countries of the world you can't operate a business without having some kind of basic insurance policy that covers um Uh, that covers your farm and your business. Um, So you want to create a budget for insurance and perhaps even consult an insurance broker to guide you in choosing the best and most appropriate insurance policies for your reindeer farm.
1: Yeah, in fact, and I'm not going to say maybe you should consult a broker. Like I would definitely say absolutely talk to an insurance professional. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, especially when I'm like looking at this list that this article provides, they're talking, they're like pointing out a bunch of different things that you might want, like general insurance, health insurance, liability insurance, animal mortality insurance, insurance for your auto and farm equipment, commercial agriculture, agribusiness insurance, workers comp, overhead expense, business owners policy, intellectual property protection and trademark, like holy smokes. (laughs)
1: yeah there's a lot and chances are you don't need all of that but like so depending on what kind of business structure you choose and what you're going to do with your reindeer but like if your reindeer farm is for the public to come and visit it it's just like when we talked about in the Christmas tree episode like you need to have insurance in case you know your reindeer accidentally kick somebody or Mm -hmm. fall on somebody else's small child (laughs) like
0: or somebody climbs a fence. And exactly. Your reindeer gets pissed.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, because, you know, we like to think that, oh, well, people acting in stupid manner like is automatically going to make it so that it's their fault and we're not liable nope. for it. But that's nope. just not the way that it works. If it happens on your property, chances are you're going to be liable for something. Now, mm-hmm. if you like acted in good faith and, you know, you didn't, intentionally set up a dangerous situation for people and they like climb defense you're probably not going to have to pay out quite as much but still that's why you talk to an insurance person like they'll make sure that you don't lose everything if something catastrophic happens which knock on wood we hope things like that never do happen but i think it helps me sleep to know that i'm covered when you know if something ever were to
0: yes depending on the intention of your business, there are some certifications that you want to work towards, maybe like a P livestock certification. There are various certifications for wool that you can look into and livestock production certificates. Um, so it's, you know, the average local reindeer farmer in the suburbs in the United States does not need these certifications. Um, and that does not in any way stop anyone from growing their reindeer farm. So it's kind of like one of those nice to have things um, that you'll just need to mull over if you, you know, really need it or not. And it, it's definitely not a showstopper for you starting the business if you don't have those.
1: Well, and, you know, acquiring certifications, though, can, like, show that you are really interested, like, you know, in your craft or chosen um, specialization area mm-hmm. so certifications can kind of help you dive into getting really into the part of the business that you like and want to get more mm-hmm. into
0: so everybody's favorite topic that you know totally doesn't make them sweat when they talk about it um financing your <laughs> <farm>. <laughs> money 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 ah Um, So starting a standard reindeer farm business can be capital intensive, especially if you choose to launch a very large reindeer farm with the capacity to supply fur, hide, milk, and meat, um, you know, beyond your immediate community. So (laughs) one of the first things that you'll need to really think about is securing a large farm, um, building secured and conductive ranch with the right fencing. Um, purchasing your first set of reindeer, livestock feed, farming tools and equipment. Um, You know, that's all big, big money, um, especially for startup capital. But if you choose to start the business on a small scale, you might not have to really figure out a huge funding source. Um, And when it comes to financing a business, one of the first things you should consider is writing up a good business plan. Really, that's the first thing you should do probably before you even buy your reindeer to clearly define what your plan is, what your intention is, and how you're going to execute it.
1: Yeah, having a good plan allows you to go back to that anytime you start to feel like you're getting off base.
0: Yes, and if you're going to apply for a loan through the bank, um, like for a business loan, they're going to want to see your business plan. So it's not just kind of like a nice-to-have thing that you should do to refer back to. It's pretty critical in securing large amounts of money. (laughs) Yeah. So depending on what your intent is, you can raise money from personal savings or sale of personal stocks and properties. You can raise money from investors and business partners. Um, You can apply for a loan from the bank. Um, You can pitch your business idea and apply for business grants. Um, Or you can ask for soft loans from your family members or friends, which That just made me start sweating saying that out loud. That is not (laughs) something I would personally do (laughs) if they wanted to give like gift me money. (laughs) Okay, but I money and and family and friends can be really tricky. So if you're going to do that, and it's going to be a loan, you might want to do that, like formally and set up a solid plan that you know, you're not gonna default on.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could also go on Shark Tank and pitch your idea. So, <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of ways to raise business money. My my favorite way to start businesses, because I've started a few and I help with a lot. Like, seriously, you guys, you have no idea how many things like I have my fingers into. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite ways, though, is just to start small and sort of ramp it up. I feel like that allows for organic growth, um, depending on what it is that you're going to do. Because, like, you know, depending on what you're going to do with your reindeer farm, like, your town isn't going to pay you tens of thousands of dollars to bring your reindeer down for, you know, the neighborhood kids' Santa picture thing. Like, that's probably something you're going to volunteer for, you know? Mm. So.
0: I'm making everybody pay me tens of thousands of dollars to <laughs> participate in that. <laughs>
1: But, you know, like those those are things that you've all got to keep in mind. So borrowing tons of money to start off on something like Reindeer, I don't know. You have to have a really solid plan to want to do that.
0: Yeah, I agree. So obviously one of the other things you need to think through is choosing a good location. And again, this goes back to the intent thing. Because if it's just going to be your own personal farm and you're kind of going places... Um, instead of having people come to you, um, that can make a big difference, but you want to consider things like location, demand in the area. If you're going more of like the food route, um, accessibility to the location if people are coming to you, your local laws and regulations and traffic parking and security. If people are coming to you, like <laughs> you gotta have room for all of that. If you're inviting the public to, to your business.
1: Yeah. And you know, just like the Christmas tree farming, you know, something else that you'll really need to look into is how you're going to market your reindeer farm. Marketing is just yes. like the, it'll make or break your reindeer farm for sure.
0: Right. So if you're you're going to think about your marketing plan, you want to think about the use of the internet, um, which Bev and I are pretty great about doing, you know, for ours if i must, you know, if i'm going to brag a little. Uh <laughs> billboards. So billboards, uh if you're going to be a tourist attraction along major expressways, that's a smart idea. Um the some of the articles said mailers, and i was just kind of like meh about that. Me. It's a lot of trees to kill.
1: I don't like mail um, unless like yeah. we're sending christmas cards and stickers to people as a surprise yeah. in the mail. I like that kind of mail.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, And obviously, word of mouth. And you can always work with other local businesses to see if, you know, you can kind of have a symbiotic relationship of cross-advertising or just helping each other out. So.
1: Yeah, maybe two neighbors can have, like, a Christmas tree farm and then, like, a reindeer farm. And then the dude down the street dresses up as Santa. Like, all of that can all work (laughs) together, like, super well.
0: (laughs) Yes. So I, I was about to say that's it, guys. But. That's really not. That's just like scratching the surface for like the technical end. And we've tried to keep that brief so you guys wouldn't want to claw your eyeballs out Um, or, you know, pierce your eardrums because we know you're not not necessarily here to be talked to, you know, for us to talk to you about the business side. But, you know, we wanted to give you the reality because like it's really easy to romanticize like the idea of a tree farm or a reindeer farm, but it's serious business and there's a lot that goes into it. And that just, you know, looking over all this stuff just makes me have even more respect for business owners and everything they have to go through.
1: Yeah, I think this was a really good We I don't know that we've necessarily run through like the nitty gritty of running like the back end of a business before. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, we did it in a funny manner using Reindeer Farm as an example. But a lot of that advice can be applied to basically anything that you want to do Mm -hmm. guys on your farm. Like whether it's painting signs or making jewelry or selling eggs or vegetables or putting together like a CSA box, like you can listen to that area again in this episode and apply it to pretty much everything. So yes, we'll try not to bore you with that stuff too much unless you guys really liked it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could talk about business all day.
0: But we don't have time for that because it's time for We Can't Even Corner.
1: Yes.
0: So what is your can't even this week, Bev?
1: So my can't even is that a brewery was asked to remove cans that were displaying not safe for work reindeer games.
0: Oh, (laughs) really? Tell me more.
1: Yes. So apparently... There is a brewery um, called Sycamore Brewing, and it's in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it decided to redesign the can for its annual Christmas cookie winter ale. And um, at a distance, the can more or less looks kind of like an ugly Christmas sweater. It's got like snowflakes and other wintry shapes and like reindeer and stuff dotted on it. But if you look a little closer, the reindeer appear to be enjoying each other's company just a little too much. Oh, if you get my drift.
0: <laughs>
1: so basically right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so apparently someone took issue with the cans um, because there was an anonymous tip that was sent to the North Carolina Alcoholic Beverage Control Commission. And apparently, like, a representative from this commission went to the brewery, and the label design was not submitted to this agency for approval. So chances are, if it had been submitted for approval, they would have denied it because it had reindeer in sexually explicit positions. hmm for lack of a better way to describe it.
0: (laughs) It's open now. I am seeing it in all of its glory. This is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's
1: subtle though. Like when I saw it, I was like, I would have never thought anything of it because they're really small. So it's tasteful reindeer games, (laughs) if you ask me. (laughs) But
0: your <laughs>
1: exactly,
0: <laughs> but it
1: apparently made somebody upset, and since they didn't get the label approved, basically like this commission was like, you can't have these labels anymore. So Boo. they're changing it, and they're gonna have to pay a small fine. But gosh, I really wish I could get a hold of one of these cans before the label is updated, just because I would hold on to it like I don't know, as a trophy or something, because <laughs> I, I think mean, it's super uh, interesting.
0: <laughs> I would say that label is drink and farm approved
1: yeah I would say so too and honestly like I said I mean you guys can click the link in the show notes I I I don't think it's that big of a deal like I I don't (sighs) think that many people would have noticed it like it's I don't know
0: when you're you know when you're buying beer and you have to be over 21 to do so and if you can take a good joke like have you ever seen the the ugly Christmas sweaters by tipsy elves oh yeah those are clearly reindeer boning in some of those. And people yeah. buy the shit out of those. And they're like $70 sweaters. Like, ugh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think really they're making a mistake by trying to change this. Or maybe it's a publicity stunt, you know, to put it out in the open that these people are in trouble
1: yeah people are just gonna go buy it pretty much yeah that might be what it is but my favorite is like the caption under the photo is what prude was actually offended by this because when i saw it like <laughs> it took me a minute to see what the reindeer was doing i was like i don't understand and then i like squinted and picked up my laptop i was like oh i see it now oh, <laughs> that's what they're doing <laughs> so what's your can't even this week
0: so this week, My Can't Even is from CNN.com, and the title is Woman Finds 10-Foot Python in Her Christmas Tree.
1: What the hell? Uh, Send that thing so, back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it's not what it sounds like. This I felt a little offended. I felt like this was very clickbaity, and I was a little mad. But it's still kind of funny. So um, what happened was there was this woman in Australia. That's all you had to
1: say, Australia. That <laughs> 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 totally explains this. <laughs>
0: So, when she got home, there was a 10-foot python adorning her tree. Now, the tree was, like, out on her balcony, okay? So, th- she came home from work, and there was a couple of bir- butcher birds that visit every day. I don't know what the hell a butcher bird is. I guess I could Google it. Um, but they were hanging out on the tree, and they were, like... Or, um, they are hanging out on the balcony, and they are going crazy. So, she, like, stepped out on the balcony, and... Um, She was, like, trying to take a video of the birds, and she was leaning on the tree, not realizing what was wrapped around it. Um, And it turns out that (laughs) there was a a 10-foot python wrapped around the Christmas tree. And the couple actually just decided to leave the the snake alone. And later that night, it slithered away. And... Um, they said that the snake wasn't bothered by them it just stayed up there for a good few hours and they just sat there and watched it and it was only when the reptile moved from its position that the couple realized how big it was oh my gosh (laughs) yeah (laughs) and they said she says after the initial shock wore off it was a really beautiful snake and it was quite actually it was actually quite nice to see that it you know up close before i've Because she's never seen anything like that before. And I'm just like, lady, there's this big-ass snake on your balcony. You're lucky it didn't come in your house and eat you while you were asleep.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. Well, the snake was probably there for the butcher birds, which are magpies, by the way. (laughs) They're like songbirds. Magpies? Oh.
0: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Good to know. (laughs) So, yeah. I thought that was uh, timely and terrifying. Well,
1: there you go yeah yeah it was i'm thoroughly terrified yeah. i'll be checking my christmas tree later but since i don't live <laughs> in australia i probably don't have a pipe on you're, probably <laughs> you're probably
0: fine you're probably fine
1: So be sure and send us your farm stories, guys. Uh, We're not going to read one this week, but if you have anything awesome or funny or scary or sad or anything that you want to share with the greater Drink and Farm community, you can email those stories over to drinkandfarm at gmail.com or you can send them to us through the DMs on the Instagrams.
0: And make sure you leave us a review. We read our favorite Apple Podcast review each week. Um, if you don't have an Apple product, you can download iTunes on your laptop and leave a review that way. I think the one we left re-read we last week—that's actually what she had to do. So anybody that does that gets like extra bounty points, in my opinion. Yes, for sure. So what we do is we take all the reviews we read for that month and draw a name out of the hat, and that person will get an exclusive coffee mug that is not, and will never be in the shop. So make sure you leave your Instagram handle or some way for us to find you um, in the review. So if you do win, we can get it to you.
1: Exactly. And do you want to do the honors of reading this week's review? I realize I read them a lot.
0: Oh, I think it's just because I talk so much.
1: (laughs) That's okay. I like your
0: voice. Uh, I like your voice better. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this week, uh, this review is titled Hilarious and Informative," and it reads, I absolutely love this podcast. Just listened to the most recent episode and died laughing when Sam and Bev tried gobbling like turkeys. (laughs) You're welcome. See, we thought we were going to lose people with that. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out you guys are just as weird as us. Good. (laughs) The review continues. I haven't started my farm yet, but I'm making plans. This podcast has been a big help and has taught me a lot. I love it. And that review is from TJS715. So thank you. That's so nice.
1: Yes. Thanks so much. I love it. So we've got just a couple of housekeeping and announcements for you guys. Uh, Coop Camp 2020 has been announced and it's gonna take place in the same place that it was in last year, which is just outside of Indianapolis, June 5th through the 7th. We will definitely be there and you should join us too. As soon as we have like information on how you can actually like get your tickets and whatnot, we'll share it, but you can start planning travel now.
0: Yeah, take the days off from work. If you have a big kid job, arrange sitters. If you you know are momming so hard, or dad and so hard, I guess I shouldn't just, you know, discriminate. there. <laughs> it's welcome for all there are crazy chicken guys and gals there. Yes, there um, are. Somebody asked us today for more information too. Um, so I know some of you are getting excited. And like Bev said, we'll share it as soon as we have it. And in the meantime, hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen because this helps more people like you find us.
1: And do us a favor and be sure and share this episode over on the Instagram in your stories and tag at Drink and Farm because we'll send you a promo code that's only good for the week uh, that this episode is the newest episode. And that gives you a percentage off in our shop, both drinkware and farmware, I guess is what we'll call it.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) But everything that's on our website.
0: And make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to all the articles we discussed and an opportunity to take an anonymous survey to tell us how we're doing. And all of our social media goodness and merch shops are up there too. So take a look.
1: Yeah. And that's it, guys. That's all we have for you. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Merry Christmas.
1: Yes. And however you celebrate.
0: celebrate. (laughs) Happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, all that fun stuff. We just hope you have a great time.
1: Yes. We just hope you have a wonderful holiday in general.
0: And don't drink and drive. Please. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so drink.
0: Farm. And,
1: and be, be merry. merry. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. We
0: drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm things.